With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Jones. Bowden. He's got it. England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins. Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four, and England have won the match. Hello, and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket, featuring there three great England performances, but no England is going to be featuring in this programme today because we're going to be talking domestic cricket. We're going to be talking about the new tournament, the 100 which is finally here. It starts on Wednesday, the 21st of July, with a, a women's match first at the Oval and then followed by a men's match on Thursday. And it has sort of polarised opinion. A lot of traditional fans feeling very uh, irate about uh, the 100. But we're going to try and take a considered view about it today with actually some of our virtual cricket club members who are going to give us uh, their view of what they think of the 100. And also we've got Catherine Brunt, who, of course, is going to be playing for the Trent Rockets, and also Chris Jordan, who's going to be playing for the Southern Brave. They're going to give their views and their take on the 100 as well in this show. What about you, Simon? What's your take? Well, I always like to think, as you said, you take, we're going to take a considered view, Yoz. I always like to think we take a considered view on the analyst inside cricket. I've actually written a list of pros and antis just to try to sort of get my sort of head around it. You know, some of the, the pros in favour of the 100 and some of the arguments against it. I mean, you, you can hear my list if you want, but we'll discuss some of the, the aspects of the 100 uh, coming up. I, I think basically I, n- never have so many words been spoken about something that hasn't happened before. There's been so much talk about the 100. There's been this huge vacuum for so long in which you know so much criticism has, has, has flowed and also there's been you know some positivity as well. So it, it I think it's time to see what it's like and then make a judgment. I, I, I don't want to prejudge it. I want to see what it's like, see what happens, see what the crowds are like, see what the, the TV viewing figures are like, see what the cricket is like, and then form an, an opinion about the, the 100. I suppose the one thing you would say about this year is that some of the star players are not here because of COVID, and that is a it is a shame. It is a big shame. You know, if you had some of the, you know, a lot of the top players here, it would give it a bit more oomph. But we've got what we've got, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what it's like over the next uh, month. I'm looking forward to the tongue twister opener between uh, the Invincibles and the Originals. <laughs> Not an easy one for for the commentators. That one, Oval Invincibles. It sounds like a Motown band. That. <laughs> what the Invincibles against the well, Originals? Certainly, the Originals does anyway. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it all starts on on Wednesday, and we were talking about this in the in the virtual cricket club on on Monday night. We had Chris Jordan as our guest. We had Catherine Brunt as our guest. Both uh, very interesting. We'll hear from those uh, from both of those in a short while. But we also uh, got the the mood from our virtual cricket club members to see how they felt about it. And I think actually we were a little bit surprised that there was a bit more positivity about it than we expected. 
I'm Jack. I'm from London. I think the 100 is a good idea. I'm really, really excited about it because the way that cricket was and is, if it just carries on like it is, then it will not survive the new media age. And I think it's really innovative. I think it's going to be really exciting. It will have teething problems, but we've got to hope that the 100 lasts an awfully long time. And in 10, 15 years, it will look different to what it does on Wednesday and Thursday. But I think that's only a good thing because games evolve and games change. And I think it's just simply going to complement all the other great cricket that fans can enjoy. I'm Alex Gaywood. I'm from I'm living in Huddersfield. In my opinion, I understand why the ECB wants to have this big extravagant tournament with all the big names and all the big stars to bring in the new fans. I'm not convinced by the slight tweaks to the game and why they've got such a small differentiation between T20 and the 100 and why that has to happen. But at the same time, I'm going to try and be open-minded. I'll definitely watch the first game and judge it how it goes from there. I'm Mark yeah. Lewis from Carmarthen, West Wales. Um, I'm really looking forward to the 100, I'll be honest. I've been looking forward to it since last year. Um, I think it's a new way of looking at cricket. Cricket needs something to, some injection, I think, especially in Wales, I believe. And it's nice to see some big stars coming to Cardiff and get the occasional one coming to Sapphire Gardens. But it's something fresh and something new. I think more kids will be involved as well. I think it will be a good thing. I'm Paul. I'm from Hampton, southwest London. I am cautiously optimistic about the 100. Um, I, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to going I'm going on Sunday uh, to watch London Spirit versus Oval Invincible. So keen to, to sense the atmosphere and see what it's all about. Um, I think the only message I would have for anyone out there who's who's sceptical is I think innovation is important. Um, I think anyone who is who is sceptical, please don't will it to fail. I think those of us who are excited by it, similarly, don't be um, blind to its failings. So um, the jury's still out to a degree, but I hope, it, I hope it's successful. Hi, um, I'm Rob from Fairlight. I'm 50-50 on the 100. I'm a bit worried about the impact if COVID hits and they've got a redraft players in and it lessens the one-day cup. Um, maybe it could have been postponed another year to get more influx of the overseas that were originally there, but I think it will be good to see how it works and hopefully next year they'll have the more input from overseas, especially from the female side because there's no Australians over and you know that would have a big impact on the funding for the ladies. Hi, my name's uh, Norts. I'm from Western Supermare. I am totally looking forward to the 100. I love the fact that the women's game is getting the equality with the men's about time too. But more than anything, I'm looking forward to that day. I think it's July the 29th when Owen Morgan comes face to face with Alex Hales. Oh, to be listening to that stunt camera. So relatively positive, actually, I would say, as being the overall view of the Virtual Cricket Club, certainly the members who were on the show on Monday night. And it's quite a cross-section, admittedly all male, but um, quite a range of ages from, I'd say, early 20s to mid to late 50s, and also quite a regional spread as well. A couple of Yorkshiremen, a Welshman, a couple of Londoners, uh, somebody from Western Supermare. So, you know, we've got the, the full spread of the country as well. And I felt re- relatively positive, actually. Mm. I mean, one thing about the, the, the West Country, I think, I mean, there are pockets of the country that they feel as if they've been left out. And I think the West Country uh, feels that. I mean, Somerset's got a very sort of strong uh, cricket tradition and their, their county is thriving. And I, I feel, well, I said, do they feel left out? Did they, did they want it to, st- to happen in the first place? I mean, that that is one thing. But also, that, that is one area of the country that has been a little bit neglected. You know, the Gloucestershire Somerset area around there, you know, the southwest. I mean, there is a team in the west, but it's in Cardiff. But there's not much allegiance between, well, no, there's no allegiance between the West Country and Wales. In the same way, there wouldn't be if, if there'd been a West Country team and not a Welsh team there wouldn't be any any allegiance from the Welsh team to the West Country team it's just it's the it's the way it works and there are other pockets of the country as well that that, that, that are a bit like that I mean I thought you know the, the the pros seem to me things like terrestrial coverage to expand the game's reach uh, more accessible format which you know which may help the game money into the game I mean that you know obviously a lot of money has been spent but the idea is to bring money into the game uh, women on an equal footing and we'll talk about that with with Catherine Brunt uh, in a short while, new audience um, and a ECB product to to sort of 
to sell, really, to help maintain the game if television rights for Test cricket uh, decline, and that is a possibility that they might not be worth as much. And that that was one of the one of the drivers uh, behind it yeah. for the ECB uh, in terms of anti. Uh, yeah, how strong is the support base? Who cares who wins? I mean, you know, one of the really strong points about sport in this country has been okay. It has been a bit tribal, hasn't it? There has been there have been those allegiances, and and they've gone back a long way. And county cricket, football, whatever, uh, rugby, you know, the strong allegiances. Does you know? Will anyone care on? Wednesday, whether the Oval Invincibles or the Manchester Originals win. I mean, how long will it take to build up that that allegiance? Uh, it detracts from red ball cricket, which has been you know definitely pushed into the margins, hasn't it? The white ball cricket has won. Whether that's just the hundred or other white ball cricket, um, you you can debate that. It also, I mean, it challenges the counties preeminence as the main clubs in the country. I mean, that could be a pro or it could be an anti, actually, depending how you look at it. And I think one of the one of the main things it has definitely alienated some traditional cricket supporters who might be needed to to help it along. I mean, there that there has been that sense of of alienation of not drawing cricket supporters along into it. And it, it, they, I think there are people who feel snubbed a little bit. You know, no one was consulted. It was like, no one's consulted. No one asked me. You know, um, and they just went ahead with it. And it, it detracts what I love. And I, you know, we support the game. You know, we are the supporters of the game. We keep cricket going. I think there's that 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 feeling has been there, definitely. Mm, yeah, I agree with all of those. I, I think uh, overall, you, you mentioned the money part. Uh, I mean, that is obviously a key thing with uh, counties, most counties being in, in the red uh, from year on year. And this is a way of getting more money into the game through broadcast rights, which are not reliant on internationals. And the trouble is that England are the most reliant country on generating broadcast revenue from international cricket. So this is a way of generating broadcast revenue from domestic cricket, which is very important for the sustainability of the game. Uh, I think, you know, in a way, it's a sort of rebranding exercise. Uh, In a funny sort of way, um, the counties, you could almost affiliate with the public school network. Um, I'm not saying they're they're working together, but it's almost like that the, the sustainability of cricket in schools is from the public schools, and they feed their players into cl- the club system and obviously into the county system. And state schools are sort of rather exempt or sort of ignored, or they don't even play cricket. So this is an attempt, I think, to try and draw state school children into cricket they're not they don't grow up with it it's not sort of taught in their uh, playgrounds and in their on their games fields if they've got a games field this is a way of presenting cricket in a slightly new way which looks it makes it look a bit more exciting it doesn't assume a lot of knowledge they're using some quite interesting creative uh, coverage ideas like avatars and, and almost marrying or merging gaming with sport to try and draw in a younger audience. Because if you don't do that, then you, you are the game will struggle in 20 years' time. If you don't keep the, the, the younger generation interested in a sport, that sport will just wither away. You can't sustain it on people of our age group. How do the avatars work? I saw the press release the other day, and I didn't fully yeah. understand. Maybe, maybe because I'm, you know, not. Well, the, I mean, it, the I, I'm not sure what they, how it's going to be presented, but I know I was working on some scripts actually originally for how uh, this would work. And what you do is you attach um, sort of uh, detectors, um, sensors to a player's body, mm. uh, and then you do very fast still shooting with lots and lots of uh, frames per second until you capture their movements in sort of still frame mode. And then you basically create an avatar out of that. And the, the whole idea of, in a way, avatars was to try and make them gender neutral. So I worked on quite a lot of scripts that described uh, a particular shot played by someone who could have been a man or a woman actually, with a helmet on and with, you know, trousers and a sort of physique and so on that you couldn't really tell whether it was a man or a woman, but trying to capture the essence of that player's technique or method so they they are quite recognisable. 
they're animations in a way. Um, what what they're planning to do with them, I'm not sure. But they'll be presented on screen. They'll be presented on an app. Uh, you can then kind of use them and sort of basically using the the modern sort of you know social media ideas like Snapchat. You'll be able to create things like lenses to put on your head to make yourself look like that player. And I think that's kind of the concept behind it. So you can almost transpose or transport yourself into that player's skills. Okay. Well, I think it's one of those uh, wait and see and watch and see, really, and see how see how that works out. I, mean, I still don't uh, fully understand. I mean, I think you don't... Well, we'll see. It'll, be, it will, it'll become clearer, I guess, yeah, uh, exactly. over time. The, the other thing just to say about the tournament overall, which I like, is the, the fact that it's in a short block. It's in, I think, 32 days. It's over. And I think that's really important for the game. Uh, it's something that made the, the IPL very successful because it was a game on every single night. You knew what time it was on. You could follow the narrative every day as it unfolded rather than there being some games on a Tuesday, some games on a Thursday and Friday and it lasting sort of eight weeks and then the quarterfinals and finals are like 100 days later. That's, I think that's a narrative much harder to follow. So, you know, that's a, that's a problem which has been solved by this short, for, short format tournament and I mean it's a shame for me that they don't play county championship cricket at the same time you know I looked up uh, in 1985 I played for Middlesex and we lost Gatting, Downton, Embury and Edmonds to six test matches in the Ashes of 85 so they missed probably about 10 county games each and we won the championship despite the fact that we were missing our four you know best players so it shows that you can still perform in county cricket, even though you've lost a number of players to another tournament. Uh, in some cases, maybe a, a Sussex or you know one or two other counties might lose more than four or five to the hundred. But in the main, um, uh, you know, I think county cricket should have carried on at the same time. It wouldn't overlap because it would finish just about the time the hundred started. It would even be a nice little aperitif, actually, if you wanted a, a, a like sort of twenty four seven cricket experience. You could start watching a county championship match at eleven and still be watching a hundred game at nine. So you know that would be great. I mean. One thing that I thought was was interesting to explore with both Catherine Brunt and, and Chris Jordan was this idea of creating new teams. And obviously, the important thing is: will there be allegiances to these new teams? Some some of the the, the teams have a couple of core players from that area. You know, the likes of Ben Stokes, who, who's playing for the for the Northern team, for instance. So you know, there are certain key players who will be part of a, a, a team that's in their area, but. Um, sorry, a, a player who's from their area playing in that team. But I think what happened with the IPL was you got interested in individual players and followed their paths. And sometimes, especially with the younger generation, they're, they're more interested in a particular individual than they are in a team. And that draws them into following that team. Yeah, I mean, to me, that's anathema, really. I mean, I... You know, I, I... You, you grow up with an allegiance to a football team or a county and play it the players come and go but your allegiance stays to the club to the team that's how, that's how I've always viewed sport so uh, for me I don't fully understand that I don't get that but that's fair enough you know other people see it in, in a completely different way I mean, and one one thing about the block you know of, of playing it in 31 days I agree it's, it's short sharp and actually when the when the T20 first started that's how uh, from memory that's how it started in this country how it was it was played yes. in yeah. there, were, there were fewer matches the, I mean one of the concerns might be that if it is a success is that you know it's what happened in the big bash it just gets expanded and then it uh, and then it, it just becomes uh, you know another day another game uh, is there room for expansion into say 10 teams I talked about you know one or two parts of the country that don't have a a hundred team like like the West Country, you know, is there the possibility of of expanding having ten teams? But that will mean more games will take longer, and it will lose that sort of short, sharp shock impact. Mm. Anyway, I know, I know, for example, that I, Will Brown at Gloucestershire has talked about you know having a West Country team. We could sustain one, uh, is is what he you know he he said in the past. Mm. So anyway, we'll, we'll see that. We'll, let, let, first things first, though. Let's let's see how. It, mm. it, it pans out. Uh, the weather, of course, is important as well. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very warm at the moment, but I mean, how long, how long mm. will yeah, that last? True. We don't know. I mean, I, I, I'll just allay people's fears about the, the future of the county game by just saying that the county game is vital to, to, to the future of English cricket. Uh, each county is, you know, an academy 
in itself with all the arteries and tentacles that it spreads throughout that county and all the, the pathways that you use to get into playing for that county from under 11s or even under 9s onwards and all the coaches that are involved in that and all the clubs that are connected to each county as well. So that they are very much, each of them is a heartbeat uh, that is important to the game. And then I think they all kind of you know, form a pyramid that then creates this layer above, which is the 100. And people want to play in the 100 because they've starred for their county and you know, that will get them you know, brownie points and you know, recognition that uh, enables them to be bought by one of the 100 teams. So it, it's almost yeah. like a, a thing to aim at. That isn't Eng- that isn't England. You know, not everyone can play for England. Uh, you know, England's still fairly limited in the number of players who get the opportunity to play at international level. This is a a tier between international and county, which probably every county player would aspire to. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, it is, it is changing the game. It has the potential though to to change the game enormously. The focus of of, of what's important in cricket and what people see is important in cricket. And clearly red ball has been pushed to the, the margins of the season. And there's no doubt about that. And the, the England team, I don't know whether it's a coincidence or, or not, in the last few years, the, the, the quality of batting, the England team, the techniques, uh, they seem all over the place. And if you're playing on pitches where the ball is seeming around the whole time, then it's it's very difficult to have that, I think, develop a really solid test match technique. So, you know, it, it could well be that they're going to be winners and losers. And the, the England team has been you know, right up there. It's been world number one. It's been it's had a great uh, 21st century, really. I mean, they, they were really low ebb at the start of the 21st century. And, and they, they've been really solid for close on 20 years but it, it I don't know whether it's just beginning to j- just fall away a bit and we'll, we'll see that because they're going to be tested in the next uh, six months by India at home and, and Australia away and it, it'll be if, if England get heavily beaten in both those two series then it will be interesting to see the reaction and whether they'll 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 be that kickback come on we need to do something about this or we're not doing the right things for our for, you know our, our red ball cricket anyway that that is that is at the heart of the debate about you know how much you focus on something like the hundred, you put it right at the heart of your of, of your summer. Of course, the other side of it is that incredible weekend we saw of, of you know, wonderful cricket, wonderful skills last weekend when England played Pakistan in that in those two T Twenty matches. Mm. I think we should hear from Catherine Brunt, shouldn't we? Yeah, uh, it's high time we heard. Yes, from Catherine. and and I think you know she's a traditionalist in many ways, isn't she? She's one of the older stages in the uh, the England women's team she's been around you know for it feels like donkey's years actually and still performing superbly in that 2-1 victory over the Indians and general sort of superiority they showed in those various matches against the Indian women um, and it was interesting to find out from her actually initially how she viewed the 100 when she first heard about it. I guess I was like everyone else to be honest I was a bit sceptical to sort of growing and evolving the game because I guess we all like it as it is. And obviously the shorter the format it gets, the more chaotic, the less kind of like cricket it becomes because obviously if we're talking about test cricket being the purest form, then it's, you know, it's nowhere near that kind of game. So I was kind of sceptical, but now I'm excited because it's, because I've played cricket for so long at this level, it's nice to, sort of be refreshed especially at my age by something a bit different a bit new a bit exciting and also body wise it'll be nice to have something <laughs> done and dusted in a couple of hours <laughs> you hope although the, the short the stories of the women's practice games was that they were lasting over three hours well we'll see about that because apparently well for a fact you can get say goodbye to a fielder in the last five overs can't you if you if you run over so I'm not sure I'll be doing that. <laughs> That's one new rule. Um, what what are the others that that are people are sort of grappling with? Do you think? I mean, what are the ones that that you're sort of not quite sure about? The idea of a ten ball over, for instance, a ten ball spell. I think uh, in this weather at the minute, a ten ball spell is not um, something I would <laughs> like to be doing. You can probably think the batsmen are going to be cashing in on your seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth balls. <laughs> when you're blowing a bit but there are some challenges obviously because people are going to play 
slightly different. So you can obviously prepare to how people are going to play, but it with it being even shorter, people are probably going to be even more aggressive. And that's, you know, I think it's the chaos that we're going to be worried about, getting it wrong, flapping around and not quite knowing how to, like, bring yourself back. There's a lot of youngsters in this tournament and there'll be a lot of inex- inexperience. So I think our jobs will be to sort of coach them and calm them through certain situations that will be, you know, heightened by being on TV, being in the media, being at, on first class grounds, you know, it'll be quite, it's overwhelming as it is. And then to add, you know, the pressure of what this, the pace of this game is going to be like, it's going to be crazy. So. And one thing about it, Catherine, is you haven't actually had that much time to prepare really. I mean, people are going from international cricket, about, you know, both the women's and the men straight into the hundred because the, because the, there isn't that much time in the calendar, really, it's all got to be s- squeezed in. I mean, it, it, it's interesting how you talk there. It, it does seem as if it's going to be, you're almost going to be learning on the job. Definitely. I've said that line a few times, to be honest. I've, I've witnessed and not been a part of one practice warm uh, 100 game. And that didn't go great. There was, like I said, that, that overran a lot. A lot of people didn't do things that, looking back at the game, they would have done differently. So I think this one and only practice game on the day after tomorrow is be, it will be hugely important to how the rest of your season goes. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. But I think that'll be the main message for the public is just be patient and let it evolve because it is, it is untested. I mean, it's obviously not a whole lot different from a T20, but it, it is if you think about it. And we're talking small margins and they're, they're the biggest, can have the biggest impact. So... Yeah. One of the things I'm interested in is is what do you think success will look like or, or failure? What, what what will success look like for the hundred for both for both the women and the men, do you think? Personally, it'll be how these youngsters and these fresh new cricketers come in and how they conduct themselves and how they, you know, play and, and adapt to these kind of situations. If they can handle this tournament, they can handle playing for England, you know what I mean? And that'll be interesting to see the next generation how they flourish and how they go about it. And then the next bit will be how it's taken by the public, whether people enjoy it and whether they prefer this and whether this becomes more of a, a bigger thing um, and we play more tournaments like this. It feels like a sort of exploration, actually, which I always thought T20 was a bit as well. It's, it's creating opportunities, not only in this case, to play a slightly different style of or slightly different formats with one or two little twink, tweaks but also rebranding the game and you know sort of trying to create extra bits to it and using the game as a sort of vehicle to create an entertainment really which I know T20 does but there are limitations because of the sort of traditional structure and format and the kind of the accessories with it whereas this feels like it's been an opportunity to experiment with the coverage which I hope will be really you know interesting and these avatars and things like that 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 kind of just uses cricket as a vehicle to use technology and bring perhaps cricket and gaming almost closer together which I I should think will sort of fill people some of the people in this club with horror but I think you have to keep innovating to you know to stay relevant really in, in the modern world. It is crazy at the pace at which social media is, is working. Like the, the fact that people are earning ridiculous amounts of money just by taking selfies and 10 second mm. videos of ridiculous mm. thing is strange and mind blowing. But, and obviously with COVID adding to the fact that this is now normal life, we're not in studios, we're not meeting and greeting. We are talking over our phones, our laptops. And, and so like, we have to evolve, like you said, and and in the last year, I think the rate of evolving has been huge, hasn't it? And so we have to move with it and it has to start at some point. I think this journey to this hundred has been, you know, three to four years in the making. So it's actually been going on longer than we, we all thought. And now, now that it's here, we have to sort of embrace it and, and go with it as much as some people don't want to. Um, this could literally be the future of our game. How, how well do you know all your teammates? I mean, do you know them, do you know all of them well? Or you uh, well, some, you look at them, you think, who are you? I don't even know who you are. <laughs> uh, so it's funny one, actually, like, like I know of 
most of them, but I, I literally, there was four people today, I don't have a clue who they were. And then half the coaching staff, I didn't know uh, or seen or heard of them before either. So it is a difficult one, obviously, day, like it's my first training session tomorrow and then the games the day after that. So it's real quick introductions and learnings. And that's why I think today was went on so long was because we tried to do some team building and some getting to know each other and things like that. There's, like I've played against Rachel Priest, who plays for New Zealand, for over over a decade, but I've yeah. never had a conversation with her. Really? So yeah, so I mean, there's lots of people around the world internationally that I have done that with, uh, but it's generally the players that you play on the same team with. So I've been lucky to play alongside Meg Lanning, Elise Villani, people like that. It's, you know, you, you get to know them by playing on the same team because you don't really have a choice, especially when they are captain. So, um, but yeah, I've, I've literally never spoken more than two words to Rachel in my life. So it was really good to meet her today properly and actually get to see a different side to her because she's just as mental as me on the pitch. But actually off it, she's soft as the brush. So it's, <laughs> it's quite nice. I, I wonder if you think one of the biggest pluses of the hundred i know and i know there's i know there's opposition out there but for it seems to me for the women's game it am am i right in thinking it's huge for the women's game that that in a a way that that might be what that is one of the sort of big beneficiaries Mm. yeah definitely like um like i said i think that this is one of the best tournaments in terms of a stepping stone for a youngster coming through because you they can't they can't hide at all they will be on show and that means that everybody that needs to see them will see them. Whereas sometimes you can go from just one one scout's opinion of one or two games, which just isn't, you know, it's not it's not the best thing to do. So you're getting to watch a certain player eight games in a row and you've got footage and you can go through this footage. You can see how they'll go about their business and how they cope with things and like it's just really great for stuff like that. The amount of exposure for that player is huge, and, and it's just about taking your opportunity into it. And that's like the men have a lot of platforms for that type of thing, but this, for the, especially for the women, this is you know huge for for that level of it. And then internationally, like the Kiwi players, for instance, they could play. A lot of the girls go around the world playing. I don't know, Big Bash, um, our Kia Super League, or now the Hundred the IPL the women's you know the small version of the IPL they go around playing these tournaments because they earn more money doing that than they do playing for their country full time and not by a long not by a small way by a long way so it is really important for us to have these platforms for girls to have around the world to have a career and and have you know some stability and a means to grow so that's why you will be seeing the best players from around the world coming and playing in these tournaments on a regular basis now because of that, that reason. What about the financial side of it? I, I've looked at the, you know, we saw the figures uh, the other day in terms of the the amount women are being paid and the amount the men are going to be paid. Are you expecting over time that, that women will be paid much more? Yeah, I, I am actually, because like you said, we're playing the same, at the same venues on the same day. So I imagine the crowds will, will watch both the games and, and stay and things like that. And then we're all, you know, we're all under the same banner. We all do the same training. We all play the same amount of games in the same amount of time for the same amount of effort. So why not? If this was a standalone game and we got 20 people in the crowd, then it's like, oh, fair enough. Yeah, like we don't bring in any money. But I think with this tournament and the way it's been done, we are kind of on an equal playing field in terms mm. of that. In my opinion, the gap should be a hell of a lot smaller. The, the reason for that gap, in my opinion, isn't good enough. That's just me. I'm 36 and I tend to speak out at my age because I've been through it all and, you know, been there, done that and like to see things move on quicker because it, there's no reason it can't. But yes, I definitely would like to see that. And I think it will happen very quickly. Have you played on many of the Northern grounds much? Because funnily enough, Kate Cross has just written a piece for the Cricketer Mag, which is coming out in a couple of days' time, saying that there'd be no women's internationals, or very few women's internationals at Headingley or Old Trafford or I think Durham, um, I, I seem to remember there was one. But anyway, um, she was sort of saying that the northern half of the country hasn't really captured or bought into the women's game, it's certainly at this level, international stroke, the 100 level, as much as it will do in this competition. So 
there's a sort of opportunity to to spread the women's game further north in a way and get get the kind of interest going. Yeah, it's rubbish. It's rubbish, isn't it? Like it, it infuriates me. In the last twenty something years that I've played for Yorkshire, only ever played for Yorkshire, um, Yorkshire through and through. I'm like proud as punished to be where I'm from and who I am and the fact that I can walk into Headingley Stadium and, and not know um, anything to do with that club or its history is, you know, in my opinion, it's disgusting. It's rubbish. Like, that should just not happen. But it is and it does and it's 2021 and it's still happening. And I think in the last year with the RHF trophy, it's actually starting to happen. Like, we've just, we've just got our new kit with the Northern Diamonds and the stuff is brilliant. Great kit. And we don't have to pay for it. It's like, whoa, <laughs> we don't have to pay for my own kits. Brilliant. If you look at the stats, I think, to do with where people are from in terms of female cricket participation, they're not from the north and there's no one coming through. And that's because they've got nothing to aspire to locally. Because we don't play any cricket there, they can't beg their parents to take them to a game. Like my family don't even come watch me play because I barely play further north than Worcester. They, 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 the, the furthest they'll go is Worcester and if I don't play there I can just kiss goodbye any support so um, yeah I'm always confident here it is, it's, it's terrible it's, it's terrible because there's some brilliant venues I've played at Durham once in 17 years and I've played at Headingley for England I think once probably maximum twice for England so it's it's beyond me I don't understand it I'd, I'd like to know the actual reasons and not the, I'm trying not to swear, um, as to why. It, it would be lovely to know. And for people to be held accountable, that would be nice too. I've played an international game of cricket at Shaw Lane, my home club in Barnsley. That's mental. That is mental, but I made it happen. I don't know how I made it happen. Well, your club will be pleased, I suppose. Yeah, they were. That was back in 2008 against New Zealand. It's actually, if you look, think about it and look back at it, it's actually ridiculous. So there's some quite strong views there from Catherine Brunton, actually, which, I mean, is not surprising because she's a very passionate person. And that whole thing about the, the, the fact that the northern grounds and, to a lesser extent, counties haven't really massively supported the women's game is interesting. It's actually uh, something that Kate Cross has also written about in the Cricketer magazine, which I mentioned in, in that interview. Uh, that's worth worth reading. Uh, the Cricketer magazine out this week, by the way, um, the new issue with uh, a preview of the 100, but also a big preview of the Indian Test Series as well, and obviously many other features. And you can get to that by going to www.thecricketer.com slash subscribe. Catherine seems quite enthused and quite excited by the 100 over all I'd say yeah I, I, I hadn't realized I mean, it is, you, it's great to learn new things I hadn't realized how little cricket international cricket the England women's team has played in the north I mean it is a really good point isn't it how can you sort of sell the game and, and draw uh, young girls in to cricket if you if they're not actually seeing the England team play I mean, it's, you know, it, it's 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 about selling the game and the other thing of course is pay uh, women's pay for the the hundred uh, that that has been in the news in the last uh, day or two because a lot of the Australians are not are not coming and they were very well paid and there was a feeling that some of that money should go to some of the other players who are playing in the hundred in the women's hundred because they are not particularly well paid so it's something like three thousand pounds to fifteen thousand pounds is the pay band and then for the men it's around the sort of twenty thousand to up to one hundred and twenty thousand the the top men's players getting paid one hundred and twenty thousand pounds anyway well that you know that is uh, is interesting I, I think I agree with Catherine I think over time. That, that 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 pay gap will I mean I think there'll be pressure on it to, to narrow actually but it's a great opportunity for the women's game to, to be on on show isn't it and and also I think it was really interesting what she was saying there about the scrutiny the spotlight because they're not they haven't they're not that well prepared for it and you you will have players playing on live television which you know does it some people rise to it and some people find that quite intimidating so anyway it's it's a great opportunity it seems to me for the for the women's game to have that spotlight. A spotlight, that, well, they they probably they've not had that before. Yeah, and, and to play on. That. Yeah, I agree. And and to play on the proper test grounds as well, the big grounds with potentially big crowds, great pitches 
as well, which is something that's really hampered the women's game in the past, is playing on sort of ropey club pitches at times. Uh, they do get the, the chance to play at places like Taunton and Chelmsford where the pitches are much better, Bristol, but um, you know some of those other grounds that, that, that have belting pitches like Trent Bridge, somewhere like that, fantastic place to play one-day cricket, they haven't had much opportunity at. So it really is, uh, I think it's, it's a pivotal moment for the women's game, in a way, 2017, the World Cup final at Lords was one, and this is a second in this country. You know, and I've just seen uh, so many more women and girls interested in the game. Um, you know, school playing fields covered in girls playing the game now, which I just never saw five years ago. And this is another opportunity to really present the game in an exciting way to them. So, and 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 on an equal footing, as you say. So. I think it is a really exciting moment for for the women's game. I'm not surprised that uh, Catherine Brund is very enthused about it. Well, we've talked about some of the issues around the 100, some of the pros and the antis, the arguments for and against. I suppose what we should also talk about is, is how it will look and... What, what, you know, how is the game going to be played? Is it going to be that much different from T20? Uh, we do have these blocks of, of five or ten overs from one end, and one bowler can bowl all ten balls. And Catherine Brunt saying, "Well, it's very hot at the moment. I don't fancy bowling uh, balls number eight, nine, and ten. You know, I could you know, they could be lining me up by then." But of course, if you've got a spinner, a decent spinner who's really weaving a, a magic web around a, a batter, then you know that could actually be torture, couldn't it? The, the bowler could be winning there, really getting into the into the batter's mind. So they, you, know, you might see a spinner bowl all ten balls. You might see no one bowl all ten balls. We don't we don't quite know uh, how it's going to turn out how different do you think the game is going to look from from t20 not that much different i think one thing we will see i think is a bit more speed between overs and between balls i think there'll be a bit more urgency and that was the whole idea of t20 in the first place was to get the game over in three hours and it's it's now you know as we know sort of elapsing into from sometimes nearly four hours and fielders and captains taking their time to set the field and get their people in exactly the right position and that's been one of the delays and funnily enough you know i was noticing um even in one of those t20s against pakistan owen morgan is really almost slowing the game down more uh, at, at critical moments to just get the bowler, you know, composed and not rushing into the next delivery, uh, just holding the ball up before giving it to him and, you know, just really, really going through the plans. And that's the trouble. The higher the stakes, <laughs> the more the players are going to take their time. But there's no scope for doing it in this competition because they have to, to finish, you know, by around about nine o'clock from a 6.30 start. And if they don't, if they, they're overrate overruns they lose or ball rate we should say overruns um, then they lose a fielder and I think that's a great uh, idea I mean I suggested that years ago for instead of overrate fines or penalty runs or something just to take a fielder off and my god I don't, if you're think, a bowler, I don't think they're taking a field I don't think they're taking a fielder off yours I think it's it's about the number of fielders you're allowed outside the outside circle. the circle well yeah, that's, I mean that's yeah. well that's effectively yeah. the same yeah. thing in fact, when I say take a fielder off, I mean take a fielder away from the boundary. Mm. Um, so, you know, moving him into the circle or something. I mean, that I think is a great idea uh, because it, it, it suddenly creates more um, boundary options for the batsman. And we've seen actually that often with, t with, with the 50 over cricket that because you can only have four boundary fielders between overs 10 and 40, that's when some of these teams just really start accelerating if you've only got four boundary fielders, it's, it makes it so tough with the, the batsmen with their modern repertoires. So that's one thing that, that will be quite interesting to see whether that encourages teams to be more urgent on the field. And I hope it does. Mm. Well, I think it will do because it, it, it's quite a big punishment, isn't it? If you haven't got that extra uh, boundary rider out, you, you, as you're right, I mean, you could cost you the game. So that, I think there'll have to be more urgency. I mean, there needs, I think there needs to be more urgency in T20 as well. I mean, sometimes mm. watching I, IPL matches, they're slower than tests, which is, which is incredible, really. I mean, there's the great theatre, it's a great spectacle uh, with all these top players playing. And you know, when the crowds were allowed in, all the, you know, the, the, the crowd fervour as well but it does feel really really slow I, I I've really noticed it it's 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 so obvious now so that that will be something about the hundred that you, as you, you rightly say what, what what's going to be a 
what's going to be a decent score is it, it's, it's going to be roughly is it i mean it's going to be, it's going to be roughly the same because you're you've got what 20 fewer balls but you mm. you're, you're still going to, i think you're still going to get scores of 200 aren't you occasionally yeah yeah i, I think you are two a ball yeah why not uh, i mean you're getting 220 in t20 aren't you so why not get mm. 200 in in 100 balls and um, teams can take a bit more risk because they know they've still got the 10 wickets and less balls to use them up in. So I think it, it, there are going to be some some high scores, maybe influenced by a, a team overrunning and therefore losing, losing a boundary fielder. I, I'm just interested to see, actually, how it's presented in the stadiums because and, and how the crowd respond to it. Because I think one of the drawbacks of T20 is it's become a bit of... I mean, lots of people have said this. It's become a bit of a beer fest and or, or a you know wine fest or whatever. And you get a lot of people at the, 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 the bigger T20 games not really watching the game that much, actually there to be with their friends and have a nice social time and occasionally pay attention to the game. And there's a reason for that. And that is, I think, because the game is quite far away. And the sounds of the game, which you pick up very clearly on TV, you don't really pick up quite so well when you're in the stadium. So I hope they amplify the sound of the game, the bat on the ball, you know, the ch- the, the LBW shouts, uh, you know, etc. The excitement of the players. I hope that is 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 relayed a bit better in the stadium because it will that will draw people in obviously there'll be music and there'll be you know fireworks and the flares going off and all that which which is part of the sort of t20 um entertainment but i i think they they should also make sure the game itself is well covered and the the replays are clear and things like that so people can get get a real get get, get involved in the game without necessarily knowing that much about cricket so we basically we've got sixteen teams, not not exactly thrown together because they've had analysts looking at the players they wanted and all that sort of stuff. You know everything that goes into uh, white ball cricket these days, where everything is is weighed, measured, uh, assessed. So they haven't just been thrown together, but you've got teammates playing with people they've never met before. And Catherine Brunt was was saying that earlier. You know a few players. You know who who are you when she when she turned up for the 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 Trent Rockets. Uh, training date on monday so we, we don't really i mean who who's who are favorites to win um not not really sure at this stage we'll, we'll see how it, it develops um chris jordan is in, in a team that look, looks strong though uh, the, the southern braves and he told us in the virtual cricket club on on monday night how he believes you have to play to win the hundred at the end of the day everyone's starting on on the same level playing field no one's played it before there probably will be some new tactics used and what's not, but who's to say one tactic's right and, and the other one isn't? But because no one's played the format before, you know, so it'll take some time before, like, um, you start to see certain patterns start to shape and stuff. The team that sort of believes in in how they saw it and how they see it from the beginning, I think will we'll probably go the furthest. Obviously, during the tournament, you, you have to make adjustments and what's not, but... Because there's no right or wrong way right now, the team that has the most belief in, in their own planning and their own um, the way they sort of see the games unfolding and stuff and almost like back that 150%, I feel like those those kind of teams will go, will go quite deep. Well, I, I think yours yours is certainly one of the favourites. Uh, looking at that bowling attack, it's going to be um, you know trial by pace for the opposition. Very impressive list of fast bowlers and hopefully Joffre can play a, a bit of a part and Devon Conway good good signing who are you looking forward to playing with that you haven't sort of experienced before I'm actually looking forward to being on the same side as Quinton de Kock <laughs> uh, yes honestly he's a awesome player like so talented he, he gives us, like, he actually gives us quite a few headaches whenever we play against him because he hits the ball in some unorthodox areas, you know. And, and, well, he uh, hits good, but he hits hard length. Yeah. Six, doesn't he? Yeah, over fine leg and stuff like yeah. that. So, like, he is really a quality player and such a talented guy. Yeah, obviously, I've uh, met him quite a bit in passing. We sit and speak a little bit and stuff, but to play with him, uh, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to see to see what that's like. I'm definitely looking forward to playing with a few of the Sussex guys as well. Um, Joff, George Garton, Tamal Mills, obviously Delroy Rawlings as well. 
brings these back. So yeah, we I, I think straight off the bat on paper we, we do have a good group of uh, guys and, and not just obviously as cricketers but actually as, as human beings as well. So and I think that obviously uh, once we once we come together and we we start to get that team chemistry going quite quickly, I think it'll help that actually quite a few of us split a play with one another already, um, all over whether it be in franchise stuff or the counties or for your country, you know. Uh, and also played against all of them as well, like Colin Negronome and uh, Devon Combe, and as I said, Quint, Quinton the Cock as well. So I think that the guys should gel uh, um, pretty quickly and get that team chemistry going, because that's very, very important, especially in franchise cricket, to get that going as quickly as possible more than anything. And sort of on-field on field, uh, matters uh, take care of themselves. Yeah, that's a really good question, a, a, a point, actually, because the on-field chemistry, I noticed Gary Kirsten with Welsh Fire is taking the, the team round or has taken the team round the Principality Stadium and up to the Brecon Beacons and tried to get them sort of immersed in Wales um, to try and create that sort of team chemistry. And, you, you know, you've played in quite a bit of franchise cricket around the place. What is the best way of, of creating that team spirit of a new team is it just a matter of winning or are there kind of other good techniques that you can use? I think winning um, is a big part to play in it, um, but it's not the be all and end all. But I think getting an early win under your belt is, is probably one of the better scenarios um, just due to the fact that, look, it's new coaches, it's new teammates, it's new everything. And in that build-up, there will be a lot of messages, a lot of ideas and stuff to see them sort of put into practice quite early in the tournament and work, it it goes a long way to when you get deep into the tournament because that trust builds actually pretty quickly that, right, the planning that we did, the things that we spoke about actually worked. So in addition to that, um, obviously it's, it's very, very important that um, the players themselves are not too closed off because it would be quite easy sometimes to be in your comfort zone and, but actually being out of your comfort zone, trying to get to, to know a teammate that you don't know so well a little bit better in an informal environment, stuff like that. Those type of things go a long way to, towards uh, producing team chemistry because then you can start to, to care a little bit more, especially and, and, and enjoy your teammate's success genuinely from a lot earlier. Um, so those type of things, I think, it's a combination of the two. And you've got um, you've got Mahela Guy Wardner as your coach, who has a great um, record in the IPL, of course. What, 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 what does he bring, and, and have you worked with him? I've played with him and worked with him, yeah. Um, so I've played with him at Sussex, I've played against him. I went, Test debut, these kind of things. And he's a, and, and first and foremost, MJ, MJ's a top guy. He's quite compassionate, um, understanding, shows a lot of empathy as well, but also demands pretty high standards from, from his players, which I think is is uh, quite a good balance to have. So much experience, but so much test cricket, one-day cricket for Sri Lanka, and then even as a coach, having been at the IPL, to win that trophy... No one ever goes through a whole IPL season and, and it's plain sailing, you know. Sometimes the difficult decisions to make mid-season and um, rejigging to be done or whatever the case may be and to come out on top in the end obviously shows shows good patience, shows uh, good backing, but also shows that intelligence and that nose to know when things need rejigging and when things just need shuffling around to then go again and stuff like that. Overall, I mean, you, you sound excited by it because it's new and, and interesting, I suppose, and challenging. Yeah, 100%. Things I'm most excited about is just to see how tactics and stuff unfold. Yeah. You know, like that side of the game I'm really into. Uh, and then also to see, obviously, all of our, all of our cricketers, like, obviously perform on that stage. Again, it's on the BBC, um, so it'll be expanded to a whole a whole new audience as well so all these things um are rolled into one make make for good ingredients then excitement <laughs> will, will you bowl will you will you volunteer a 10 ball death over uh, i'll do whatever is required 
to be honest. Like, who knows? It could be, it could work for you, it could work against you, but that, and that's just the way, like, these shorter formats go. Uh, I play, again, I play like T10 cricket as well. Um, it's just about managing expectations and, and, and assessing what is a good day from what is a bad day. And that will vary from surface to surface, conditions to conditions, and and just how, how the game's unfolding at the time. So, But if I need to bowl a 10-ball death over, and that's what the team needs me to do, I'll uh, One last question, really. The 100, what do you think will represent success as a tournament? <sighs> That's another. That's a great question. I mean, you know, is it massive audiences? Is it Is it is it diverse audiences? Is it younger? You know, yeah, I was Caribbean community. I was about to go. I was about to exactly go down that line because I think that with the players that are in it, I think the standard of cricket would be awesome anyway. So I wasn't even going to speak on that. I was more going to speak on yeah the audience and people seeing so many different people from different backgrounds actually playing this sport again as i said like it's on free to air tv so you're probably gonna straight away in a snapshot start to see a little uh, uh, a slightly different audience you might see a next um, world beater who would have watched the hundred and and thought that's a sport for me i definitely want to play that and i think those type of scenarios is what will represent success for me in this tournament. Two or three uh, in your team are from, you know, the Caribbean connection. Do you regard yourselves as sort of role models, symbols for that community to try and re-engage them? I definitely see it that way because I I always think, and that's why I try to, uh, it doesn't matter what level of cricket I'm playing um, because I I'm always of the opinion that you never know who's watching. Like, say, for instance, there might be a kid that I've never met, never heard of, but he looks at me on TV and thinks that he wants to do the things I'm doing and he wants to be like me someday. So that's why I just tried to give a, a decent account of myself and uh, no matter what level of cricket, it can be club cricket, it can be international cricket, try to keep that level consistent. Uh, and, if, and if it is even just one kid, two kids, how many of it? it doesn't have to be a big number, but if they look and see me on TV doing what I, I love and performing and think for that reason alone, they want to do the same, I'm more than happy with that. Well, that's Chris Jordan. Clearly, the ECB want to draw a new audience into the game, and Chris Jordan clearly sees his role in that and the importance of his role in that. I, I was interested to hear him talk about uh, De Kock there, saying, yeah, it's, it's nice to play with him after being pummeled by him for, for so many years. I suppose the other thing as well, you, you play with someone like that, you you start to see perhaps their, their weaknesses in the dressing room, the way they talk in the dressing room as well, You know some of the doubts that, that creep in. So I don't know whether that will play out in, in future international matches. Do you, do you know what I mean by that? That if you... you, mm. you, you yeah. You, Definitely. You close well, you lose the fear factor as well. Exactly. You know, with, yeah. You, know, yeah. you can be intimidated by players that you've only come across on the international circuit, but then suddenly when you're in the same dressing room as them, you do see their foibles and and failings and and fears, I suppose. So definitely, it's an advantage. I suppose we should end, Yoz, by asking the the question we've asked it a couple of times uh, during the interviews, actually, with, with Catherine and Chris. Is what what does success look like uh, for the hundred? How, how can we measure it? I know that Tom Harrison has said, well, it, it's a success already in the sense that they sold a very big uh, TV rights deal and brought a lot of money into the game, which the game obviously needs. Uh, all, all games, all sports uh, need money these days. It's an expensive business. What does, in your view, what does success look like for the 100? I don't think it's going to be something that's instantly visible. But I think, firstly, the most important thing is that it's authentic. It has to be proper cricket that's played by, you know, the top players and they care about it. So as long as the games are competitive and the standard of cricket is really high and doesn't get overtaken by the the entertainment, you know, so it becomes a sort of glorified benefit match, as long as you can really see the passion uh, that the players like the Catherine Brunts and Chris Jordans and all those other people 
uh, normally display when they're playing international cricket. If you see that and you see the real contests going on, that's the first thing. That will then translate it to the audience, both on telly and also in the grounds. Obviously, to see you know foolish grounds is going to help, and that people want to be part of a of a full ground and, and an event and an exciting kind of sounding uh, competition, don't they? So I, I think definitely, um, if if the crowds are good, that will encourage more people to go, and and that'll just enhance the atmosphere. So it could be a sort of cumulative thing. But you, what you want in the end is good matches without sort of rather a one-sided uh, sequence of games and, you know, the, the result is obvious long before the end. Uh, I think you want uh, players to, to look excited and ultimately, um, in a year or two's time, what you want is the broadcasters to, to pay the same amount or more to, uh, to have it again, to show it again. You want competition from broadcasters and sponsors to be involved. That will be the, the true measure of competition. But in the interim, it'll be about the standard of cricket, the competitiveness of the games and, and the enthusiasm of the crowds. Yeah. One thing I looked at when I was looking at the structure of the, of the competition, there are eight teams and they play eight matches. So you play everyone else uh, once and the team closest to you uh, twice. So the two London teams, for example, play each other twice. One thing, I'm just trying to project ahead, one thing that could happen is that when you possibly you get towards the closing games of the season and it's obvious who are going to be in the the top three positions. The the, the winners, the team that finished top, go through to the final. Then two and three play off against each other in an eliminator, sort of of a semi-final, and the winners of that play in the final. I wonder how many... Uh, dead games you might have and, and, and what, what's happened of course in other competitions I mean, the Big Bash for example five teams go through five teams have a chance of qualifying okay it's, it's much harder for them to go on and win the competition but what it does is it means it's very hard to have uh, meaningless matches so it's, it's, it's quite contrived um, it, so you can argue that mm. in a way that it's so contrived that it, it doesn't really work I don't know um, but anyway that, that, that's a possibility I, I, mean, I, it's, I think it's, it's probably got to look good on TV as well hasn't it I, you're right if you have have a ground where there are lots of empty seats uh, you know if you think well why am I why am I watching this and if no one's bothered to go along why you know why am I watching this I suppose is one aspect of that how many tickets have been sold and how many tickets have been given away but you know if you do give them away uh, are you who are you giving them to so if you're giving them to youngsters then that means that you know, you're you're bringing people into the ground and if if they like what they see then they'll they, they'll come again so there's all those uh, there yeah. are all those issues uh, and, and the makeup of the audience as well actually you know not yeah. just the size of it but not and I, I don't just mean you know that it gets the south asians and you know various caribbean ethnicities african ethnicities to to, to be involved i don't just mean that i mean actually women as well as men. I mean, the really interesting thing about the IPL is that now nearly 50% of the audience, both in the ground and also on telly, are female. And, you know, for years, really, cricket has been a very male-dominated sport in terms of how it's played, who plays it, and who watches it. And that's ridiculous because, you know, it's it's just as great a sport for, for girls and women as it is for men and to watch it as much as to play it. So if that can be uh, something that the 100 achieves, women just a little bit alienated at times, I think, by certain T20 venues because they're quite uh, sort of laddish. And hopefully we can sort of get the, the more family kind of environment, which was very much a the, the feature of the, the World Cup final in 2017, the Women's World Cup final. If we can get that a bit more as well, I think that would be great for the game. Mm. Well, there are going to be alcohol-free areas, alcohol-free stands, whether that, you know, what, what, who, who, that, that's family-orientated, I, I presume, although, you know, there'll be people... <laughs> There'll be people who go along with their kids who might actually want to have a drink as well. I don't know, but um, yeah. the, the, the stress of looking after I don't know a group, a group of kids. Anyway, um, what, what about what about what about failure? What I mean, sort of success looks like if, if failure. If it's it's lukewarm, if there's a lukewarm reaction from from spectators, viewing figures. Uh, yeah. the, the other thing as well, th- this year is, is going to presumably because of COVID is going to be a bit different to to future years because the some of the top players are not here. I mean that that is a bit of a, a bit of a shame. And, and there could be the, uh, some COVID issues, you know, with yeah. teams or games being 
called off as well. I mean, yeah. I've already yeah. been aware of the fact that there, there's there's red alert for um, COVID um, protocols amongst the teams, which are stricter than around the counties. And that's important because you can't have uh, teams suddenly sort of defaulting, can you? Because that really doesn't... If you've got a game every night and then suddenly there isn't one, it's going to really undermine it. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. That is, that is an issue, so, certainly for this year. But it's here, yours. We, I mean, it's been talked about for so long. It's been criticised for so long. It's people have put forward positive case for it for for so long. It, it, it's about to start, um, and then people can actually judge it uh, for what it is and and for what it isn't. Um, I don't have any skin in the game at all. I'm not working on it. Uh, I, I'd just be interested to, to to see what happens, to see what works, what doesn't work, and to see whether overall it it works or not. And of course, you know what what effect it has on other aspects of of cricket and those who follow it in this country. Anyway, it's it's watch this space. Uh, let's see yeah. what happens. I don't ha- I don't have all the answers. I don't I don't know uh, what's going to happen. I don't I don't necessarily know whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. No, well, I just but think innovation. I think innovation is a good thing. Uh, I think you've got to always innovate to try and uh, move forward. And it, it's it's a it, it could be seen as a risk, but I think overall, I, I think it's well, I'm excited by it and. We'll be back in a week's time to, to review the first week of this tournament, as well as previewing, of course, the England-India Test Series, which is sort of almost uh, banking up right against the, the 100. In fact, they'll be duelling for uh, mm. uh, notoriety and, and um, you know, eyeballs. But uh, in a way, it might work well. The Test Series ends, or the Test Match Day ends, just as a 100 match begins. So... There's a festival of cricket happening from Wednesday onwards and we'll do our best to keep you abreast of it all. We will indeed. Thanks very much for listening. I hope we haven't offended too many people. Goodbye for now. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.